0: I mean, you were shot. People do all kinds of weird and amazing stuff when they're scared. I can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed and the guy sitting up at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. I know the best place to look for a gun is the cab of the gray truck outside. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why
1: would I know that? How can I know that and not know who I am?
0: This year marks the 20th anniversary of the action spy thriller, The Born Identity. Released in 2002 and based on a novel by Robert Ludlow, it tells the story of an injured spy who suffers from amnesia and has to piece together what used to be his life and his troubled past. The movie stars Matt Damon, Franca Patente, Chris Cooper, Brian Cox, Julia Stiles, and Clive Owen. In the conversation, Dwight and I discuss our connections with the novel, which came out in 1980, an ABC TV adaptation of the novel starring Richard Chamberlain and Jacqueline Smith, the terrific casting of this film, and how The Bourne Identity influenced action films in general, but specifically the spy subgenre. We also talk about other films in that subgenre like The Bond Films, Mission Impossible Films, La Femme Nikita, Patriot Games, Hannah, Atomic Blonde, The Red Sparrow, and more. Thanks for listening, and thanks for checking out our playback review of the action spy thriller *The Bourne Identity*. So, D, were you were you aware of the uh, the Bourne books before you saw the film, and if so, had you had you read them? Yeah,
1: I was aware of them because we used to sell them in the bookstore. Yeah, you know, they were they were you know, like a big sellers in the bookstore. Okay, and. Um, I hadn't read them because it really wasn't my my cup of tea they were they were a little too thick for my liking
0: <laughs> unlike your women you're right
1: <laughs> but yeah a little too little too much um, you know not, not enough flash and not enough obvious you know wasn't flights of fanciful enough for me man but I, I I definitely acknowledged it because in the 70s to, in the mid 70s to late 80s there was a you a television series that came on that was with, uh I think his name is Richard Chamberlain
0: it was yeah it was Richard Chamberlain and Jacqueline Smith
1: okay they, they were he was he was born at that time and I thought wow this this is kind of cool so I did watch some of that but it doesn't anywhere near uh equate to or, or the visual feast that this is
0: yeah yeah now that that series that was actually a a, a three-hour movie mm. that came out in 88 I believe okay and then they played it on ABC over like four nights, and then broke it into like an hour and a half or whatever, and then broke it into four <sighs> nights. Wow! Uh, and played it over, uh, you know. But I, but yeah, I, I vaguely recall that. Hmm. Um. But I read The Born Identity when I was in the tenth grade. Okay. And and like you, it was fine, but it was very kind of you know post Cold War. Hmm. You know. Uh. Kind of like grown man spy, you know, a spy film. As a matter of fact, I think the character of Jason Bourne in the novel is probably significantly older than Matt Damon was.
1: Which explains why Chamberlain was playing Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm.
0: exactly. You know, he was older than Matt Damon is in in the 2002 movie. Mm -hmm. And Richard Chamberlain was probably 40, you know, at the time. Okay. You know, when he played the character. So I think the character was originally supposed to be much more seasoned. Okay. Um. Uh, and, and and tenured uh, than uh, than Damon's character uh, is portraying him to be.
1: Okay. But um. Did he did he freeze did he freeze in the same way? I mean, was was the characterization still pretty much the same, or was there some liberties being taken by the writers to make it more mo- modern?
0: So, th- this movie was written by Tony Gilroy, mm-hmm. who you and I talked about this before we uh we got on the mic. You know, he also wrote Rogue One. He wrote uh. He wrote the new Andor. He's the showrunner of the uh, the new Andor series on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's written a lot, a lot of feature films. But Gilroy said in an interview that I read with him that he never read the novel. Mm. He he still to this day has never read the novel. Wow. <laughs> um, this had been optioned by the producer, I believe Frank Marshall, and they had been in development for a long time. And you know they had a version and it didn't it didn't pop off. They had another version. It didn't pop off. And then Gilroy got on it, and they just basically kind of told Gilroy what it was about or whatever. And then he created his script and his characters and his story arc from there. And his thing was basically, what if you had amnesia? You know, you had had suffered from severe memory loss. You knew almost nothing about yourself, mm-hmm. but what you did know about yourself scared you. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying because you have this very kind of lethal skill set. Right. And uh and you know and, and then you're finding safety deposit boxes with cash and guns and passports and things in it. <sighs> mad and, and,
1: cash show. Mad passport show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like wow. So but see yeah, so the, so Gilroy that was that was his approach to it and he he I think he uh, kind of came up with the story with Doug Lyman the director. Okay. of the film and then that and that's how they got there but um, this movie was released in two thousand and two, so this is the twentieth anniversary of yep. the Born Identity. Three sequels. I think the original. The budget for the original was sixty million dollars, and then it made two hundred and fourteen million dollars in the box office. Nice. It's a success. It's not a hit, mm-hmm. but it's a success because if they spent sixty making it, they probably spent another thirty promoting it. Right which is 90, and I guess 3 times 9 is, what, 27? So it needed to make $270 million to be considered a bonafide hit. Okay. Uh, But I think $214 million in the box office and then probably all the money they made on DVDs and Blu-rays and things after that, and licensing it to cable channels and so forth, which it's still, it's on HBO Max, uh, but it's uh, licensed out to, uh, I think Cinemax has a version that you can watch and, and, and other places, so... They made a bunch of money off of this movie, and hence why they did, you know, a bunch of sequels. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who's unaware, this is this is a film about a guy who is found floating in the Mediterranean Sea. He's been shot twice. These fishermen pull him out of the water. He has amnesia. He doesn't know who he is. And as he starts to kind of go back over his life, what the little bit he does know, he begins to realize that he has this as aforementioned very lethal skill set you know
1: very lethal set of skills as, a very lethal,
0: lethal set of skills Liam Neeson. Liam
1: Neeson. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then along the way you know he encounters this girl marie who kind of becomes his, his partner on the run and he realizes he's being chased by his former bosses who are you know kind of like in this black ops operation uh you know for this shadow agency or whatever And and then you know there's and then the movie ends you know of course in a in a big you know blazing battle mm-hmm. uh with some with some crazy shots in it but um so you you mentioned before again before Mike you said that this was a pretty satisfying rewatch for you mm-hmm. how how so yeah what like what did you remember did anything surprise you going back to it
1: yeah i mean a few things did. one one was um how quickly uh, he put those, those those cops down, those beat cops down, when he was freezing up, freezing on the streets with just trying trying to you know catch a little nappy nap in the park. Mm-hmm. You know it's like it's it like it's like a second nature kicked in and, and he just, he just like, was like wow, yeah, and and I was like wow <laughs> he did that man and and he and he comes across such a a, a nonchalant like nice guy, just I mean, a, a relaxed individual, it's where, 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 his, where his training just kicks in because that's that's what they did in, in Treadstone they they pounded into you and. Um, yeah, he he um, really performed very well. Uh, also, I had a little bit of a, a bit of acquaintance with uh, 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 Franca Potente. I think is how you pronounce her name. Correct. Yeah, and because she, she had played this this, this really interesting uh, German film called Run Lola Run. Yeah, and she was I mean, and I didn't realize that she spoke you know, English so well. Being you know being naive, I guess uh, you know that she was she really. She really fully like 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 blossomed and embraced the character. So the two playing against each other really really made a lot of sense and really worked really well. I think upon the rewatch, uh the biggest surprise was like um the staircase scene towards the end, man. I was like, Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. He actually he did that. He did that. So
0: Yeah. I, I thought so too, man. I was. I, I guess the thing that I really liked about it more than anything else, other than you know the action and the fight scenes, which you know there were quite a few fight scenes that I thought were great. The um, the opening in the park uh, mm-hmm. with the beat cops that you mentioned, you know, where he beats them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fight that he has in the uh, in the embassy, and then his escape, you know, scaling down the outside of the building. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the snow, and then he, after that is when he encounters Marie, mm-hmm. and then also the. Uh, the diner scene where he's talking to Marie and he's telling her, you know, how do I know these things? You know, I know the license plates of five cars out in the parking lot. I know that the waitress is left-handed and uh, I know, I know the best place to find a gun is going to be that gray truck out, out, out back, you know, like he knows all of these, he paying attention to exits and all of these things. And I was like, Oh, that was great because he's telling you more about himself, even though, and you're kind of figuring these things out as he's figuring them out,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, as well. But um, and then also too the um, the fight that he has with the assassin in his French apartment, which the that apartment was laid, yo.
1: Yeah, it was man. It was nice. It was nice.
0: But he fights that guy, and then he ends up basically like breaking his arm and breaking his leg. And he takes a, a ballpoint pen and stabs him in the face with it, and then stabs him in the hand with it. Right. And then the guy, when the guy jumps out the window,
1: yeah. Rather than tell him more about Treadstone, he just commits suicide.
0: Right. Yeah. He just <laughs> c- he commits suicide, and then, and then Marie freaks out. She's like, "Wait a minute. Why would he do that? What, what's going on? Why would he do that? Yeah, why would someone yeah. jump out? You know, like." And she's basically us in that moment. Like, why would somebody do this shit? Right, Yo, know?
1: right, right. Don't you want to
0: live? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. And then of course that car, that car chase, in uh, her little, uh, her little mini, mini, uh, mini Cooper or Cooper. whatever it yeah, was. That was awesome. Uh, was awesome as well, but. Uh, to your point about the cast though man uh, Franca Patente, I remember mm-hmm. seeing Run Lola run back in the 90s mm-hmm. Again one of those video store things where you see the cover and you're like, what is this?
1: right right
0: you know and I, I rented it and I watched it and I was like okay, this is kind of cool. And then of course you know some maybe 10 years later or whatever she shows up in uh, in this movie uh, mm-hmm. but obviously Matt Damon plays you know Jason Bourne mm-hmm. uh, Franca plays uh, Marie. Chris Cooper plays Jason Bourne's handler from the kind of the uh, the shadow operation that he was a part of. Right. Uh, Brian Cox is kind of like a, a a suit who's kind of above Chris Cooper.
1: Right. He's 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 like the he's like a senator that, that, that doesn't want to know the truth about stuff. But he, you know. You're right, 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 exactly. Right, right, I, I want to get right.
0: stuff done, but I, don't tell me how you did it.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I, I write the checks, but I'm not gonna I'm not taking responsibility for this. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And then you have Julia Stiles, who plays the uh, the kind of uh, handler. She's kind of not really a handler. I don't know what you would call her position. Right. She plays uh, Nicolette Parsons, Nikki Parsons, but she's kind of like a uh, an office person, like an admin in a way. Okay. Okay. Although she has some field experience, we find out in one of the later films. And then Clive Owen, Mm -hmm. who I had never seen in anything before this, you know, plays uh, you know an assassin from the save the same program.
1: Right. The professor. Yeah.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, he was the music teacher. That's right, he was the uh, music teacher, sitting with the kid, Yeah. yeah. Uh, t- teaching him piano or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, um, but yeah, I thought the cast was just really interesting because I became fans. I was already a fan of Brian Cox, you know, from uh, Manhunter mm-hmm. and Long Kiss Goodnight and Glimmer Man and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, styles I had seen in Save the Last Dance and 10 Things uh, I Hate About You, which is actually very good. Okay. And Matt Damon had done a ton of stuff before this, you know, like uh,
1: Goodwill Hunting, of course. Yeah.
0: Goodwill Hunting, uh, Saving Private Ryan, Mm -hmm. uh, Rounders. He was in School Ties. I don't know if you remember that School Ties about the Mm prep school guys. Okay. No. uh -uh. Yeah, it's him and uh, uh, Ben Affleck's in it, and uh, Brendan Fraser's in it. I think Brendan Fraser's the star of the movie, if I'm not mistaken. Okay.
1: Okay. Is that the one with, with the anti-Nazi sentiment that where he's Brendan Fraser is, is is Jewish and they persecute him for it? I think and so. Like, okay, I think okay. so. I think okay. so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you okay. think you're right about that. Yeah, I
1: do. I do recall that vaguely.
0: Yeah, and Chris Cooper, who I became a real fan of, you know, he had done like American Beauty, mm-hmm. and he was in A Time to Kill, but this one really made made, made me a fan mm-hmm. of uh, of uh, Chris Cooper, and then D- uh, Doug Liman, the guy who directed the movie. I was I was I was already a big fan of his because again this is the the 90s going into the 2000s so he had done uh, Swingers which I, I loved and he had also done a movie called Go which I really loved okay okay and so when they announced that he was doing this I was like he's going to do an action movie because he's like an indie indie movie guy I was like okay action movie all right I guess right. so but right you know I pulled it off yeah he pulled it off and it and it, it kind of worked but. But anyway, let's, let's talk a, a little bit about the um, the feel of this movie because, for me, in a weird way, this movie was kind of a game changer for the, like the action movies moving that came after it.
1: Very much so. No, no. I guess I'm gonna say probably all the all the all the all the blonde bomb, all all the, all the blonde films afterwards were influenced oh. by. <laughs> you know, were, were influenced by the Daniel Craig films were influenced by this movie, obviously. You know the the, pay, the pacing and the the, the energy, the the, the visceral you know, violence. You know, and it mm-hmm. was like much more believable. It wasn't as much um, gadgets, but but applications of of, of simple things which allow you to do different things. Right. Obviously, everybody 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 obviously took took courses in in mixed martial arts to make the <laughs> the to mixed martial arts for, uh, fighters to show them how to really fight in these action scenes. And
0: yeah, yeah, and also like how to handle weapons. Mm-hmm. Um. I think uh, when I when this when Daniel Craig's movies first started coming out, I remember I had a conversation with Vince, and Vince was saying that this is the bornification of James Bond. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, like what you just described is that they they made the action way more real world, uh, more hand to hand combat, a little less gadgety. Mm-hmm. You know, the action and the fighting is a little less cartoonish and kind of over the top, like the. Uh, like the Connery or the uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan or or even the um, the Roger Moore Bond,
1: you know definitely Roger Moore. I, I, I feel like I think Pierce Brosnan gets gets, gets, a, gets a bad gets a, a bad rap as far as Bond goes. Man, I, I, I thought he was one of, one of the one of the better Bonds in terms of, election, of the selection of the newer Bonds after Connery. I
0: agree, I agree, I agree. For he was he was not bad. He was. Um, it's funny how over time, not to digress, but over time you if you're a fan of the bonds uh franchise your favorite bonds kind of change a little bit mm-hmm. you know for a long time it was Sean Connery and then it was Pierce Brosnan for me and I kind of skipped over like Roger Moore and um uh who's the other fellow that uh, there's a couple others too that had like like oh, one uh, and done
1: oh um uh, Les, uh Le- Timothy uh Dalton who'ston Dalton, yeah, and uh and Lesenby
0: and George Lazenby, George mm-hmm. Lazenby, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it changed from that to now it's Sean Connery and it's Daniel Craig. Those are my favorite bonds, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Okay. Um but um but yeah, the it definitely influenced the Bond series. Even action movies in general, I think took a real cue from these films in terms of the close-cropped uh you know, the framing of the camera, mm-hmm. quick cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing called ASL. I think it's uh, the average. I think it's the average shot length. So the average shot length in in the Bourne Identity is like four something seconds before they cut to something else. It's very very quick. Damn. By it's t- by the time you get to the third and fourth films, it's like two seconds. Like they don't give you any time to linger in the shot. And so, I think this film. Definitely influenced other films and other kinds of fight scenes that we saw after this. Mm -hmm. You know, to some extent, like, you know, like you mentioned, Hannah, Mm -hmm. uh, Tenet. um, Kingsman. uh, Kingsman. Yeah, definitely Kingsman. And um, Mm -hmm. um, remember that movie, Columbiana, with Zoe Saldana? Yes.
1: Yes. Definitely.
0: Same thing there. You know, shaky cam. Mm-hmm. Quick cuts, mm-hmm. close crop. You can't really see people's feet moving in anything else. And if you compare the action in The Born Identity and the fight scenes in The Bourne Identity in comparison to some of the fight scenes that we saw in previous movies, you know, they were shot in more widescreen, mm-hmm. you know, where you could see the entirety of the action. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a total sense of the room and the characters and how they're interacting. And it was a little more balletic and a little more choreographed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that I actually kind of do like about the way that they shot this movie and how action movies are kind of portrayed now is, is they feel more like a real fight. Like watching, you know, a, what's a, a full choreographed Jackie Chan or a Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse or something like that. Right. You know, it's like, OK, you know, that's, you know. That's not how a real fight is. A real fight is frenetic and chaotic, mm-hmm. and you know, and and your your blood's pumping, and
1: yeah. and you miss shots. You, right. You, yeah,
0: know. it's over really quickly, and you yeah. look up and you you know you got s- cuts and scars on your body that you didn't know you even had. Like, how did I get that? You know, right, right. You know, so um, I don't know. I, I think I think it definitely did. Uh, it definitely did influence. Uh, Action movies and, and certainly spy movies in general, but for sure.
1: I, I, th- I. Now, the MI, the Mission Impossible series did it start before or after this?
0: It started before this.
1: Okay, okay. So I can't really say that MI, MI, two was or MI was influenced by, um, you know, this this at all. But there's, there's certain scenes I, I like when uh, when Ethan's fighting in MI two especially. Uh, I felt like he, there was a great deal of, 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 of close, you know, handwork that was going on that um, might not have been there in, in the first one. I'm not sure.
0: So the Mission Impossible movies came out in the, I believe, the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. All right. Mm-hmm. So by the time you get to 2002, you're probably starting to see the Bourne influence on things like Ghost Protocol, the one that Brad Bird directed. Okay,
1: okay, yeah.
0: The ones, all the movies that came after that, that uh, – that, uh, that Christopher McQuarrie directed, they all probably are starting to feel a little more like Born, okay, or at least incorporate some of the feel of that, because you just could you just couldn't ignore it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You couldn't you couldn't ignore it. If you did, you know you're probably gonna like you know you're gonna mess yourself up.
1: Stop running, right?
0: It's funny you mentioned uh, Franco Patente playing Marie in this movie Mm -hmm. um, and Run Lola Run because this movie, to me, one of the things I took away from it, this recent rewatch, is is it falls right in line with the whole uh, normal, average, everyday person leaves their life and goes on the run with a desperate stranger. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, you have... uh, Examples of it, like Terminator. You know, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. come with me if you want to
0: live. Right, right. They come yeah. with me if you want to live. Right. I don't know if you ever saw a movie called Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford.
1: No, uh-uh. I should have. Okay, I didn't. yeah.
0: He worked for the CIA. He's accused. He's on the run. He breaks in this woman's apartment. I think it's Faye Dunaway. He breaks breaks in this woman's apartment with a gun, and he, you know, and he's kind of threatening her. And then they end up like having a sexual affair, and she runs off to help him. And I'm like, right. Some dude breaks in your apartment with a gun, and you just <laughs> right. you gonna you gonna bone him, Right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, other movies like uh, the movie Shooter with uh, Mark Wahlberg.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Remember, uh, 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 not Rooney Mara, but uh, her sister, Kate Mara. Okay. She's the uh, the wife of his ex partner in the mil- who who was killed in the war, and then he goes to her for help. And then she runs off with him and just helps him, even though he's accused of shooting like you know, some dignitary or whatever. Right, right. Um, uh, and also same thing with uh, the movie Most Wanted with uh, Keenan Ivory Wayne's, which I still I still will champion that as a good, bad movie to a watch. A bad movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's called a borderline movie, like it's, it's a borderline
0: yeah. movie, yeah. Good cheese, as Dexter used to call it. It's, it's cheesy, but it's good cheese. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, man, I,
1: I you know I, I support that, man. I think sometimes it's it's one of those things where in it's all a matter of what, you, what you're what you are kind of um, set up for, you know. Yeah, like so, some things yeah. are just designed for you, and and they they know that, and they, they, that's what they, they get you based on that, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. What are some of the uh, some of the other movies? I'm trying to think of other movies in the spy genre because. I wasn't a big fan of it when I was younger for obvious reasons, you know, Cold War and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and and again, it always felt more like grown man movies as opposed to movies that would appeal to me as a teenager. But then I got into my 20s and my 30s and started to mature and and maybe get more of a perspective on life and politics and Mm -hmm. uh, global politics and, you know, and how we interact with other countries. I did start paying a little more attention to these movies and kind of became fans of them. But you mentioned Mission Impossible and Bond.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Are there some others that are that your fa- your favorites of that kind of uh, falling?
1: I would say yes, but my, but to, to to kind of recognize what those are, I'd be hard pressed. I know if I saw them on television, I would know them because usually I see them on television. It's like I'm actively looking for them, right? So it's like uh, I would say like um, off the top is another James Bond film is like Skyfall. I love Sky- I love Skyfall, man. I love Skyfall. Okay, I lo- I lo- the theme is just like it's just that that's that's. That's the old girl at her at her zenith to me, man. She can, she could do no do no wrong at that point, you know. Um Yeah, yeah. Um
0: what about had, did you what about like Patriot games? Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah.
1: I, I I give that. I give that yeah a, a stab. Yeah. Um Patriot games will be good. Um yeah, man, I, I think the spire genre is definitely a, a worthy, a worthy genre. One of the things you realize in the in the born born identity in particular was that whoever he was Back then, before before he, before he was became before he lost his memory, he he was very very capable, and, and probably one of the best of the Treadstone agents. Mm-hmm. And because when you find out that of course he he um, he not only picked the place, picked the location, and, and picked the time, and all those things, he went through an extreme amount of planning to get to make those things happen. It was like wow, yeah, you know, and then they forget it all, and that. But you realize he was he was even though with the, all the planning that he had under, all the. Um, Indoctrination and in all the uh, programming and Treadstone gave them. He kind of became a. Uh, he, he had a, he had a heart that was still troubled by the fact that his, the children were playing with their father, so he couldn't he couldn't complete the mission.
0: Oh so, yeah yeah yeah. When he was so, he had he had set up uh, the actor who plays uh, who plays Wombosi, who actually I know him as Adabisi from uh, the T- HBO's Oz. Okay. If anybody, anybody who knows that actor, you call him Adebisi. That's what we all called him, Adebisi. Okay. But yeah, he's on the boat and he's like a, he's like a, uh, he was the leader of an African country and then he had been, he had been uh, exiled. Right. And kind of uh, demoted, uh, so to speak, and he's on that boat with his kids, and Bourne sneaks on there to execute him, to assassinate mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. and then he sees the children around, and then, like you said, he ha- he pauses and has like a moment of of a crisis or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's when he catches the two shots in the back and ends up floating in the Mediterranean.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But um, no, you're 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 right, man, and um, I think the um, well, here's here's one that uh La Femme Nikita. Oh yeah. Oh come on.
1: Yes, man.
0: That's one of your one of your favorites. The classic.
1: How can I? Uh, yeah, Femme, Yeah, the original. The, the French. The French version. You know, How could How could you not? Yeah. It was. Yeah. Of course, man.
0: Yeah, Le Femme Nikita. Yeah, and, and slash Point of No Return with uh, Bridget Fonda and uh, Gabriel Byrne. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, those those, those are great films, man.
0: But I mean, I don't. The thing
1: is, when I think of spies, that's like that's like espionage laden action adventures spies. It's not. You know, it's not it's like it's not, not like True Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger to me is like. You know, um, like um, uh, all the president's men, kind of sort. You know what I mean? Like it's not—it's not very violent. I, I
0: know what you, I know what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's where the where there are puppet masters behind the scenes, and there's a, there's a bigger mystery, and there's like you're saying there is cloak and dagger, and you know there's you know there's illusions and mm-hmm. uh and and that sort of thing. I get I get what you mean, and I may be I may be lumping other things into this genre and, and being a bit too broad with it, but no. Um, there's a, uh, book that was made into a movie with Gary Oldman called Tinker Taylor soldier spy. Okay. That came out a few years ago. Spy game with Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that was Ridley Scott, I think directed that, um, atomic blonde with, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, with, uh, Sh- Charlie. Charlie Theron. Theron? Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, James McAvoy, mm-hmm. uh, tenant with, uh, John David Washington and, okay. uh, uh, Oh, boy, from uh, the Twilight movies. And then Hannah, which we okay. talked about a little bit earlier. Hannah. Right. Which I thought was a great movie. And the series that they did, even afterwards, was really good.
1: Right. You know, uh, as well. What about Man on Fire, man? Since we're thinking about uh, Ridley Scott movies and not really. So,
0: I, I thought about that and... That's really more like a revenge thing, like what you're talking about. It doesn't really have the cloak and dagger or the politics involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really more like a revenge. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely like he was an assassin and he worked for shadowy agencies, mm-hmm. shadowy agencies. But, um, but yeah, it's more of a revenge movie kind of than anything else. But I love it, I still love mm-hmm, it though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's another movie Ben Affleck did called The Accountant, okay? Uh, which was pretty good. It was about an accountant who actually has uh, he's on the spectrum, he's I think he has Asperger's, okay. Um, the recruit with uh with uh, uh, Colin Farrell and um Al Pacino, and then another one, Red Sparrow, with uh Joel Edgerton, and uh, it stars Jennifer Lawrence, and she plays it's that classic you know she's a young girl brought up in in this Russian school where they teach you how to seduce and how to be like a a Mata Hari or whatever so, so and how
1: to the black the black widow basically is what you yeah, know kind yeah. of yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's
0: it, it is basically that it is basically that right. um but yeah those are, those are all movies that kind of touch on all of this but I agree with you I think it when you don't have the politics involved mm-hmm. it doesn't quite feel like the same thing mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to um Uh, The spy subgenre or the spy, you know, action thriller, you know, that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you a a question, too, man, about uh, uh, as we begin to wrap up, you know, this movie, you know, again, Matt Damon was known for more indie films Mm -hmm. prior to this. Mm -hmm. You know, he had done some big films and made some big swings like, you know, The Legend of Bagger Vance and, you know. (laughs) That, hey, that's what it was. Yeah, it was. It was trying to be like an Oscar-worthy movie, and yeah, yeah, you know. And then he did, you know, Saving Private Ryan with Steven Spielberg, which was a huge film. Mm-hmm. But he had done, you know, like a lot of smaller films, and so he was considered more for serious acting, quote unquote. But this film gave him a real bankable franchise to attach his name to because he came back to it three more times after this.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: As a matter of fact, he did. So the first one was the Born Identity. The second one was the Born Ultimatum. Mm -hmm. The third one I think was the Born Born Supremacy. The Born Supremacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the fourth one was Jason Bourne. And before he did the fourth one, because you know there was a long span of time in between the Supremacy and the uh, uh, the Jason Bourne movie. Mm -hmm. And they asked him in an interview, "Are you going to do another Jason Bourne movie? You going to do another Jason Bourne movie?" He was like, "I think we do another." Jason Bourne movie, at this point, it'll be the uh, the Bourne repetition, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some five, six, seven years later, Jason Bourne comes out and, you know, that's, you know, the last film in the franchise. Uh, right. Uh, at least, for, you know, for now, but. What what
1: was, so, so then, then, but there was another Bourne, the one with uh, Jeremy Renner, wasn't it? Wasn't that Bourne too?
0: No, I really like that one. I yeah. really do like that one. That's the Bourne legacy, yo. That's the Bourne legacy.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And um and I think that's the one that Tony Gilroy he wrote and he directed it.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Um, but that one's t- uh Jeremy Renner and um, uh, Rachel Weisz. Okay. Yeah. Who is actually the ma- the wife of Daniel Craig?
1: Oh really? That's right. Yeah yeah that's right. Yeah yeah. Wow yeah yeah, yeah that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think she had a baby recently, like at like forty eight or forty nine years old or something, you know.
1: Hey, man, you know, freezing those eggs, man. You know, you can do all kinds of stuff, you know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: But anyway, yeah, The Born Legacy is is the other film that's not really included in the official, you know, canon of right, right, right. Yeah, of the of the Born franchise. But but these these movies were really commercially successful for uh for Matt Damon and did a lot for his um It did a lot for his IMDb, his, you know, his CV, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole, you know, one for them, two for me, you do one big commercial movie where everybody says, oh, he's bankable, she's bankable. Mm -hmm. And then you go off and do, you know, your smaller films that don't necessarily make a lot of money and may even flop. And then you go back and go back to the franchise. Tom Cruise has been doing it for, for a long time now. Yeah, Mission Impossible movies, and then he goes back and does you know other things, and Mission Impossible movies, and then he does this other these other things over here, and now he's just given up to I'm just gonna do Mission Impossible movies. That's all right. I'm going to do. Fuck the dumb shit. I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm doing movies that that people go see other than Top Gun Maverick. You right.
1: Know? Which I mean, is there room for another Top Gun movie in in his in his in his, uh, in his lexicon? Do we need another Top Gun movie? I mean, I don't know. I think Maverick pretty much says it all at the end, I think.
0: Well, I don't I don't think he's going to do another one. Right. You know, I mean, was he going to be like 65? He'll be, you know, playing the fucking Val Kilmer part at that, at that point. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know kind of old and broken down. But, right, right. Um, but it's funny because you see this, I haven't thought about this, in Hollywood where there are actors who are not necessarily killing it mm-hmm. in their film choices. But they have certain popular, populist films that are really commercially successful. And so that's kind of what they can kind of hang their their professional hats on, so to speak. You know, you see it with... Liam Neeson. Well, yeah, but he has a long career, though, even before Taken, though. I mean, you that's got... True. Star Wars. You know, Schindler's... Star right. Wars, Schindler's List. Right. Although Star Wars would be you know like that's that's him going for the big popcorn right. big movie where he can make a bunch of money and, and get in front of a bunch of eyeballs mm-hmm. but i mean he made a, he's made a lot of films before that he was in uh husbands and wives with Woody Allen he was in um, Schindler's list mm-hmm. um he's he's been, he's had a long career he was in uh uh my, my one of my favorite be good good bad movies uh uh next of kin with uh Patrick Swayze
1: okay Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he's he's had a long career. But that's true.
1: And, and, and taken like, and, and, and uh Taken, oh, yeah,
0: taken comes long later. Bat, yeah.
1: Batman begins. Was it was it Batman Begins or was it Batman? Begins? He was
0: in Batman Begins, yeah. There you go, there you go. So that's him again trying to attach himself to a big franchise mm-hmm. so when he does other things, you know, you know, he can uh you know, he has you know, he seems, again, quote bankable, but mm-hmm. but you see that like even with the Marvel movies, you know, like Chris Evans, mm-hmm. Chris Evans has does shit movies. <laughs> shit movies, dog? Yeah. I mean all he really has is Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of it. I mean Snowpiercer was great, but Okay. I mean it wasn't great because of him. I mean he just happened to be good in it. I th- I think I I, I like Don was just a dope filmmaker.
1: Yeah. I I like I like I like Push. Push was kind of good.
0: You know. Yeah. That, that was horrible, <laughs> yo. That was trash. <laughs> It's trash.
1: And, of course, he was Fantastic Four, you know.
0: Again, trash. His two best movies. Exactly. He was actually a pretty good human torch, but those movies were trash. Yeah, that's the problem. He was a a very good Johnny Storm, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But I think the two best things he's done uh, were The Losers Mm -hmm. and then playing Steve Rogers slash Captain America. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's pretty much it. and then Snow Pearson might be, you know, number three down, you know, after that. But as far as the Marvel movies go, like Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, you got Lost in Translation, you got the Marvel movies, and then what else?
1: That's it. I mean, she, that I she's mean, re-
0: that she's really good in that people talk about. Right. Oh, uh maybe maybe like Marriage Story or something that came out a few years uh, a year or two ago. Right, right. But, you know, Mark Ruffalo. What exactly what name a Mark Ruffalo movie other than the Marvel movie see no, I, 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 I can <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh, and even Zoe Saldana tried to do it with uh Columbiana, you know that mm-hmm. was you know that was intended to be a you know a single female action movie franchise that they were trying to jump off right, and it just it just didn't happen, but you know who did do it and did it successfully, who. Your boy Keanu Reeves.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Keanu That's Reeves right. did yeah. those
0: John Wick movies. Yeah, and they have been immensely successful. And when you think about it, that was kind of like a franchise comeback for him because mm-hmm. he had the Matrix.
1: Yeah, yeah, hardcore. And it was
0: like, okay, we all thought, okay, Keanu Reeves is done. You know, he he got his he he got his he got he his got Jones his out on, right, exactly. on Yeah, yeah. It's not on, yeah, on on the Matrix films, and he came back with those John Wick movies, and it was like, damn.
1: Yeah, he's not done yet.
0: Like right, Keanu, All
1: right? Don't count me out. And he almost had a winner too with the uh, Cyberpunk 2077, Cyberpunk 20, 2077, 20 yeah, Cyberpunk 2077 um video game, but of course the but the problem with that is the character is good, but the game has got a lot of with technical issues that have kind of limited his expanse in other other realms as far as that goes. Ah. So, yeah, so that so much for that. But yeah, the John Wick films have been a big a big burgeoning success for him, man. So much to the point that he's actually—this is kind of rabbit trails. So much to the point to where he's actually now got Lawrence Fishburne in the, in the next, next, uh, next movie coming back. And
0: no, he's been in all of them. Uh, Fishburne's been in all the Wigs. Fishburne's been in all of them. Really? Every last one. Well, I must have missed that, man. Yeah, he said he was—he was the Bowery King. He's been in every one. I think. Well, he wasn't in the first okay. one. But he he was—he started in the second and the third one.
1: That's right, you're been right. in yeah. almost all of them. That's right, yeah. that's right. Okay, yeah. That's right, he was. Damn.
0: Yeah. So okay. these two guys reunited from the Matrix films in the John Wick films.
1: Right? It's pretty cool. I like that.
0: You know what's funny, though, man?
1: What's that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, as dope as, as Fishburne is, yo, Fish is mm-hmm. dope, yo. Mm-hmm. School Days, uh, 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 Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, now yo, yeah. Uh, the Matrix films. Right. Uh, what's love got to do with it? Right. You know the John Wick movies. Right. Uh, he even shows up in uh, Mission Impossible Three, I think it is. You're right. Fishburne. He plays. He plays uh, Ethan Hunt's boss. Mm-hmm. Fishburne is dope, yo. Mm-hmm. But two things you have to remember about Fishburne's early work, yo.
1: <laughs> what's that, yo?
0: He was in Nightmare on Elm Street number three, and he played like a black orderly. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. And he played like Cowboy Bruce on Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse or whatever. <laughs> Remember that shit? Yo? I do, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he had that long Jerry curl, like Easy E. Yo, looking like a cowboy, Easy E. Oh
1: man, that was that was horrible, man. That was horrible, man. You know, you gotta start somewhere, bro.